Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the show. Now, today we're doing a follow-up segment on this podcast. Any of you that's been listening to us for the better part of 2020 knows that we have been tracking COVID-19 in Sweden. I started podcasting about Sweden in March because they are taking a different approach to the virus from every other country in the world. And their approach to me has always been, well, like the canary in the coal mine because they are taking a, well, they're taking an approach that does not require lockdowns, that uh, hasn't required masks, that has left much of the mitigation of the virus to individuals. And I wanted to give you an updated version of where they are because there's a lot of criticism for their approach. They're taking a lot of heat around the world for not following the, well, the common path. And you've got to remember, this is a podcast for crazy people. And just like Sweden doing something against the grain, well, that just fits the narrative of this podcast. And I'm not saying I support Sweden or I don't support Sweden for their approach. I just think it's interesting to learn from an organization that is, one, uh, brave enough to go against the grain, and two, brave enough to stick to a policy that is not popular with other countries. So today's podcast is about giving you an update. Where are they? I mean, they, they did something different. Was it successful? Was it unsuccessful? And this is not a political podcast. This is an, well, this is a, a podcast that's indifferent to politics, just straight up information. Because here's what I believe. I still believe that Sweden's approach to the virus will give other countries a way of recovering without doing so much devastating damage to their economies. So where are we in August of 2020? Well, staycations are popular in Sweden this summer because a lot of other countries close to Sweden are restricting travel. In other words, if you're close to Sweden, many countries are saying, nope, because you guys didn't lock down, you didn't do what we did, you can't come visit our country. So many, many Swedes are having to stay home for vacation. Well, as of this podcast, more than 5,500 people have died with COVID-19 in Sweden. And Sweden is just about a country of 10 million people. And it is one of the highest death rates relative to population size in Europe. And by far the worst among Nordic nations. And unlike Sweden, the rest of these Nordic nations all chose to lock down early in the pandemic. And listen to this quote from Dan Eklund, who's 31 years old. Maybe we should have taken more care of each other. And some of the latest Sweden figures suggest that they're getting better at containing the virus. The number of daily reported deaths has been in, get this, single digits for much of July. In contrast with the peak of the pandemic in April, when Sweden had more than 100 fatalities logged on a single day. So many days in April, they had more than 100 deaths on a single day. And there has also been a marked fall in serious cases in Sweden, with intensive care admissions dropping to fewer than a handful each day. 
Now this is still not as low as elsewhere in Scandinavia, but it's still clear improvement. And listen to Anders Tegnell. He's the state epidemiologist who is leading this strategy. It feels good. I mean, finally, we're where we hope to be much earlier on. And he's admitted too many have died, especially in Sweden's care homes, which we call in the United States uh, elder care homes or nursing homes. But he believes there is still no strong evidence that a lockdown would have made much of a difference. Hmm. So what was Sweden's strategy? In case you haven't been following, here's an overview of what they did. Sweden has largely relied on voluntary social distancing guidelines since the start of the pandemic. And this includes work from home where possible and avoiding public transport. You know if you follow my podcast that I blame public transport on the mass explosion of cases in New York City. Take public transit out of the equation. I don't think you see as many cases as you would have seen in New York. Public transport and nursing homes would have completely changed the curve in New York. So back to Sweden. There's also been a ban on gatherings of more than 50 people, restrictions on visiting nursing homes or elder care homes, and a shift to table-only service in bars and restaurants, meaning you can't sit at the bar, but you can sit at a table. And the government has repeatedly described the pandemic as a marathon, not a sprint, arguing that its measures are designed to last in the long term. So if you think about this, we had an idea that if we locked down for three months, we would pretty much drive the curve down. Sweden said, no, it's not going to be that way. This is going to be a long-term thing. It's not going away soon. Hmm, We're in August. Who do you think was right early? And this unusual strategy has attracted global criticism, with some calling for Dr. Tegnell's, well, many call for his resignation, and that some people regret his approach. So Annika Lindy, who did Tegnell's job between 2005 and 2013, she recently told Sweden's biggest daily newspaper that she believed tougher restrictions at the start of the pandemic could have saved lives. Possibly, possibly. But according to clinical epidemiologist Helena Nordenstedt, there's no consensus in Sweden's scientific community that the strategy as a whole has failed. And listen to this quote from her. She said the strategy was to flatten the curve, not overwhelm healthcare capacity. That seems to have worked. If you take the elder care homes out of the equation, things actually look much brighter. Hmm. So are Swedes just in general better at social distancing? Can you blame it on the way they live versus the way people live in other countries? So back to Anders Tegnell. He says his modeling indicates that on average, Swedes have around 30% of the social interactions than they did prior to the pandemic. And a survey released by this week in Sweden's Civil Contingencies Agency suggests that 87% of the population are continuing to follow social distancing recommendations to the same extent as they were one to two weeks earlier, up from 82% a month ago. And Nordenstedt believes that since Swedes have had longer to adjust how they act in public than countries that went into lockdown, 
this could actually help Sweden mitigate a potential second wave. How cool is that? People are not exhausted as they might be in other countries when the restrictions have been much wider and much stricter. But while Swedes are aware of the guidelines, there have been reports of large gatherings and mingling in some tourist hotspots since domestic travel restrictions were relaxed last month. And here's what, here's what another expert in Sweden said. We tried to tell them and show them to keep their distance, says Shiar Ali, a manager at one of the beachfront restaurants on Lake Snorchen. Especially young men and women, they don't care about it. So here's the big question. Has Sweden achieved herd immunity? This was the big, I guess, debate in the beginning of Sweden's approach. Sweden believed that if they let the virus go through healthy young people, that they might achieve herd immunity or what some people call population immunity because you would have blockers of this virus in the population that transmits it from person to person. So the idea is that if more and more people have had it and recovered or were able to naturally be immune to the virus, that they wouldn't be a transmitter. They would become blockers. So have they achieved herd immunity? That's a great question. Well, Sweden's authorities never said achieving herd immunity was their goal. <laughs> Some did. But they did argue that by keeping more of society open, Swedes would be more likely to develop a resistance to COVID-19. Even the word herd immunity has become political around the world. If you say herd immunity, you're immediately judged. Well, there's some value in herd immunity. There's some value in population immunity, especially if this virus is not going away anytime soon. If it's going to be with us a while, we're going to have to develop some sort of immunity to it over the long term. So five months into Europe's pandemic, only 6% of the population is known to have antibodies. This is according to Swedish Public Health Agency research. However, Anders Tegnell believes the true figure is definitely a lot higher, as immunity has been proven to be surprisingly difficult to measure. So we're getting data that says herd immunity is X. Well, almost every epidemiologist that I follow believes that that number is many, many times higher because it's hard to measure all the people that were asymptomatic. They just didn't have a reaction to the disease or their reaction was so minor that they thought it was something else like allergies or, you know, something brief. So the state epidemiologist points to research from the Karolinska Institute that found that even people testing negative for coronavirus antibodies had specific T cells, which can provide immunity in identifying and destroying infected cells. But other Swed Swedish scientists are more cautious about predicting resistance to the virus. I think he is overconfident, says Helena Nordenstedt, we can all hope it will have an effect on the infection case numbers in Sweden during the fall, but we just don't know yet. So she's a little bit more pessimistic than Anders. So how is the Swedish economy doing? Hmm, good question. So the Swedish economy, their strategy was not designed to protect the economy either, but the government argued keeping more of society open could limit job losses 
and mitigate the impact on businesses. And research from Scandinavian Bank, SEB, in April suggested Swedes were spending at a higher rate than consumers in neighboring Nordic nations. So their virus was still continuing to perpetuate itself at a higher rate than their neighbors. And despite this, various forecasts predict the Swedish economy will still shrink by about 5% this year. Man, what would most Americans do for just a 5% contraction? That's less than the other countries hit hard by COVID-19, such as Italy, Spain, and the UK, but similar to the rest of Scandinavia. Sweden's unemployment rate of 9% remains the highest in the Nordics, up from 7.1% in March. <laughs> and the U.S. is down to 10.2% now. So Sweden, like other Nordic countries, is small, open economy, very dependent on trade. So the Swedish economy tends to do poorly when the rest of the world is doing poorly. This is from Professor Carolina Ekholm, a former deputy governor of Sweden's central bank. So maybe the, the percentages that Sweden is struggling is more related to extrinsic or external factors like how the economy is doing in other countries versus how it's doing in its own. So back to Sweden. Restaurants, shops, and gyms have been allowed to remain open, but they are still struggling to attract customers. And she does believe that the right call was made to keep schools open for under 16s. And listen to what Carolina Ekholm says. She says, there's been less disruption for the generation now growing up in terms of learning. That may produce benefits further down the line when they start entering the labor force. Hmm. So what about a blow for Sweden's image? Has Sweden taken a, a global, well, lick to the chin for moving against the grain? Well, in the short term, Sweden's COVID strategy is affecting its usually close relationship with its neighbors. Norway, Denmark, and Finland opened their borders to one another in June, but excluded Sweden due to its high infection rate. Also, Swedes from less affected regions have since been given more freedom to visit Denmark. And a YouGov survey last month found that 71% of Norwegians and 61% of Danes were concerned about keeping Swedish tourists away, a higher number than for visitors from countries like Spain, Italy, and the UK. And that's ironic because the numbers were pretty similar to those three countries. And I don't think this will affect the relations in the longer term, says Helen Lindbergh, a senior lecturer in government at Uppsala University, but it has highlighted or brought back old grievances between our countries. A bigger problem could be the impact on Sweden's wider international reputation for high quality state health and elderly care, she believes. There's been a blow to the Swedish, Swedish image of being this humanitarian superpower in the world. Our halo has been knocked down and we have a lot to prove now. So just 45% of Swedes now have confidence in the government's ability to handle the pandemic, according to a Novus survey last month, which is down from 63% in April. So it seems like there's, they're losing a little bit of support from their own people. Uh, but let's see how that plays out. 
Confidence in the public health agency has also dipped, but remains at a much higher 65% compared with 73% at the peak of the pandemic. So we believe they have the right strategy because nobody knows how we should do it, says holiday maker Eva Britt Landon, who's 66 years old, uh, who's having a socially distanced lunch with her 112-year-old father at Lake Storchen. But Kathleena Erickson, age 42, who's visiting Stockholm, says the jury is still out. We don't know what things will look like in the autumn, our fall, or next year. We just have to wait and see. So there you have a little insight into Sweden and what they're doing with COVID-19. They're a different approach. And I hope you enjoyed the fact that this is not political. I have no dog in the hunt. It is just about giving you raw information about how a country who's brave enough to go against the grain, is doing. And I, for one, admire the Swedish people. I admire the the approach that they're taking. Uh, And whether you agree with it or not, it's still, to me, very insightful to see countries that are are based in science take a different approach to COVID-19. And I think the true value, the true value of Sweden is how do we recover long-term if the virus does not go away, if we don't get a vaccine that is effective. We're going to have to live with COVID-19, and Sweden has gone a long way into the future for, for other countries to have a model to follow. That's why I call them the canary in the coal mine. And if we do have to live with this virus, if we do have to make a living and and just try to regain normalcy, Sweden's bravery has given us a beacon to follow. So this podcast is about going big. It's about taking chances. It's about, well, being crazy enough to do something different. And I take my hat off to the Swedish leadership team for being crazy enough to be different, crazy enough to win. Until next time.